This is HPR episode 2045 entitled Some Other Bash Tips and is part of the series Bash Scripting. It is hosted by Dave Morris and is about 56 minutes long. The summary is Yet more information about types of expansion in Bash. This episode of HPR is brought to you by anhonesthost.com. Get 15% discount on all shared hosting with the offer code HPR15. That's HPR15. Better web hosting that's honest and fair at anhonesthost.com. Hi, this is Ken. Just a quick reminder not to forget to go and vote for HPR on the podcastawards.com website. Thank you. Hi everyone, this is Dave Morris. Today I'm talking about Bash in a show entitled Some Other Bash Tips. Now in the past series of shows that I've done, this is now the sixth in the series where I've been looking at aspects of Bash. And I've been looking specifically at the large subject of expansion. And uh, there's quite a list of things we've been through already, which I've uh, listed out in the show notes. There are three subheadings to deal with. I'm going to do two of them in this episode. And um, because they're all of of their own nature fairly long, I'm going to do the last one, the the third remaining one, in the next show. So the first subheading is process substitution. Now this is something that um, you might not have come across before. I came across it a few years ago, but... um, it's not, not something you easily bump into, I think. It's a way in which data can be passed to or from a process. And a process in Bash, or in fact in Unix, uh, Linux is as a, is a sort of subset of Unix, is a bunch of commands running together. So it can be a script running as an independent process and that sort of thing. I need to look at processes in a more generic way i guess but i'll do that in another show in this in this series but uh, not all unix systems i'm not sure about linux systems i suspect i'm not sure that applies to linux but unix let's say which is there aren't many unix systems left there's um bsd which is probably the main one and there's a bunch of commercial ones um not all of them can implement process substitution it uses a feature called named pipes or FIFOs, first in, first out structures. Or it uses special files, which are called slash dev slash fd slash number. These are temporary storage structures which you can talk to and from processes with. That's not a very grammatic sentence, but I hope you understand what I mean. So the name of the pipe that we're talking about, or this slash dev slash fd slash number which I'm referring to as an interconnecting file, is passed as an argument to the initial command in process substitution. Now, that's quite a hard 
concept to get your head around if you've only just encountered it. So I've tried to explain it with some examples. There are two sorts of process substitution. There's one which consists of a greater than sign. It's a type of redirection. We haven't covered redirection in this series. I plan to, but uh, just bear with me that this is a way in which you can send data from something into something else. So a greater than sign followed by a parenthesized list of commands. So the other form is a less than sign with another parenthesized list of commands. So the first form with the greater than receives input which has been sent to the command list via the interconnecting file and it passes it to the command list. The second form with the less than sign at the start generates output from the command list and passes it on to the internet interconnecting file which you can then read to um, with something else to uh, to get a result so i thought i would just um, look at something some of the stuff involved with pipes and processes and and redirection and that type of thing just to um, set the scene hopefully so i've got an example here which is a thing you could type on the command line. You, you could type echo, and then I've used the word test with a capital T. doesn't matter what you put there, in fact. And then I pipe that, we've seen this type of thing already in, in other contexts, into said, and said uses a minus E followed by a quoted command, which is an S command. So it's open quote S slash circumflex dot star dollar slash square bracket ampersand close square bracket slash close quote so if you've been listening to my said series you'll know that what we're doing here is simply saying um, select the entire line that is the beginning of the line marker all the, and all the characters on it up to the end of the line marker that makes that particular regular expression be substituted as the ampersand um, expression in the second half of the s command and we're simply putting it in square brackets so the result that we get is the word that we echoed into said in square brackets so that's a pretty simple pipeline that we've seen so just looking at what it's actually doing a little bit more under the the surface it's a pipeline where the echo command generates data on its std out channel which is passed to the said command on its std in channel using the pipe. So the pipe connects those two commands together. The said command then modifies what it receives on its std in and it puts the square brackets around it and then passes the result to its std out. And since there's nowhere else for it to go, it's simply displayed by the shell, the bash shell. If we were doing this using process substitution, then we would rewrite this as echo space test then we've got a greater than open parenthesis that same said expression we had before close parenthesis now what we see is as the output we simply see the word test followed by slash dev slash fd slash 63 it, it might be a different number on your system if you experiment with this now this is not doing what we expected at all it hasn't sent the word test to the said command at all what's happening is that the the interconnecting file name this slash dev slash fd slash 63 has been created and it's been passed to the the echo command 
with the expectation that it's going to be used to send data to the process. And the process is the thing in parentheses, the said, said command. And what's happened is that the echo command has simply seen this, which has been generated by the process substitution expression, and uh, has just, just, just echoed it. It's just printed it to standard out. And the process substitution with said in it gets nothing. So it just does nothing and then dies. So if we change that by following test by a redirection symbol, a greater than symbol, then we did the greater than open parenthesis. By the way, the greater than and the open parenthesis have got to be right next to each other, no intervening spaces. Then this works. You then get your word test in square brackets. So the result has been sent to the said command, which is running in a sub-process. So behind the scenes, bash will have changed what 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 we typed here into something it doesn't it doesn't do this in in a visible way but this is a way to imagine what it's doing it's changed the command line into echo space test space greater than then slash dev slash fd slash 63 then the greater than open parenthesis said command close parenthesis so it's actually connected the echo to the process substitution through this interconnecting file this dev slash fd thing so that in that way the connection's been made between the one command and the process you might think from what you know of redirections and pipes and i haven't told you a huge lot about that yet as I know, as i've already mentioned but plan to do so if instead of the greater than redirection you used a pipe symbol you'd expect that maybe that would work it would connect the echo to the said process substitution through the pipe but it doesn't what you get back is the 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 error command the error line bash slash dev slash fd slash 63 permission denied this is because when bash processes this command it puts the file name this 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 magical dev fd thing onto the the right of the pipe symbol and that's syntactically invalid because you're expected to either have a command, a script, or a program name there, not the name of a file. So you can't pipe to a file. You can redirect to a file, which is what we did before in the the worked example, the working example. You can't pipe to it. So the next thing I've shown you is the corresponding version of this thing, except that we put it the other way around. We start off with the said command, and then we connect that to a process which generates the the word test by using echo so this is this is the other sort of process substitution which is a less than sign open parenthesis echo test close parenthesis that's on the right hand side of the said command so the said command is is fires up and it wants to connect to the to something or other it expects data from somewhere or other and what it will get is data on its standard in from this process substitution and that actually works so here the interconnecting file name is being provided to the said command and you can actually visualize this if you modify the said script there's actually a said command capital f which i haven't at the time of doing this i haven't actually covered this in my said series i plan to do it in episode five actually which is not out yet 
The F command is a GNU extension, capital F that is, which reports the name of the input file followed by a new line. So if you if you change the sed command to sed space minus e space quote capital F semicolon s slash blah blah blah, the rest of that s command we had before, close quote, space less than open parenthesis echo test close parenthesis. Then you get two lines back. The first one is slash dev slash fd slash 63, which is the name of the input file. And you follow that with test in square brackets. So that's pretty... It's all quite weird. (laughs) It's actually quite useful, though, even though you might be wondering what on earth anybody would ever want to to use this for. I hope to demonstrate this to a, a little bit anyway. So it's worth just looking at what... The bash man page says about the the whole business of process substitution in the context of expansion. What it says is, when available, process substitution is performed simultaneously with parameter and variable expansion, command substitution, and arithmetic expansion. So we we now know where this particular topic fits in the context of all the other things. That's really the the key. That's the reason I added that in. So let's look at some process substitution examples. So the first form where we're echoing something into something else, we have echo space, open double quotes, hacker public radio with capitals on each word, space greater than sign, so that's that redirection thing we saw before, space greater than sign open parenthesis, and then we've got said space minus ne space quote s slash now i'm not sure it's going to be all that helpful to for me to read out the the said command i'll just say what it's intended to do it's simply a thing that takes each word and it changes the capitals into lowercase and the lowercase into capitals and it does that across the entire string that it's been fed. So the answer we get out is Hacker Public Radio with a lowercase h and a capitals uppercase A-C-K-E-R, etc, etc. It just reverses the case of the words fed to it. So it's not very exciting, but it's a, it's a, a more complete example. Taking the second form of process substitution where we're, we're receiving data from it, then I've got an example using said where... I use said space n minus n e space quote one tilde five p close quote. Remember, if you've been listening to the said series, that means on line one and every fifth line thereafter of the file, print that line. It's pretty pretty simple. But uh, the process that we're feeding it is. And this is this is one which starts with a less than sign open parenthesis. We're using the nl command, which I've talked about in my sed series. nl space minus w two minus b a minus s quote colon space quote. What that's doing is to um, the w two says to put out a a, um, a number a line number for each line, which is to be two two digits wide and the minus ba says to print a number for every line regardless of whether it's blank or not and the minus s thing says the delimiter between the number and the start of the line is to be a colon and a space 
and the the file I'm using is the one I've been using quite a lot in the said series said underscore demo one dot txt I'm assuming you have a copy of that to hand so you could you could you could test this out for yourself if you wanted to so the the result I get back is one colon hacker public radio brackets hpr as an internet radio show etc then we get line six which is blank then we get line 11 which is not blank it's got some text that i won't read so this is an example we used in the introduction to said series and it's instead of using a pipe where in that in, in examples in that series we've used nl on a file and we've piped it to said what we're doing here is we're using said to receive data from a process substitution it doesn't really make sense to do this in this way but it's a demonstration of how it could be done you can have a command running in the the process substitution feeding stuff to a com- command that precedes it if nothing else if you ever see one of these you'll you'll be able to know ah yeah it's one of those process substitution things and then run away probably. So I've got another example of the the second form where you're, you're receiving data from process substitution. And this one is quite a bit more complex. It's using the join command. And join takes two files, or can take two files, or two data sources, as I've written in the notes, which contains two data sources or files, contain lines with identical join fields. So one way of doing this is to have a line with a a number on the front of it where you use the same number in the two files and join joins them together on the basis of that number. So what I'm doing here is I am using two process substitution expressions. So it's the one with the less than sign open parenthesis. And in we just look at one of these because they're they're both the same. We will there are three commands in this expression process in the process i guess you'd you'd say the first one is a shuff command shuf i've talked about this in other shows i've done it simply takes a file and pulls random lines out of it and i use slash usr slash share slash dict slash words which is um, a dictionary that um, most Unix systems, most Linux systems anyway, has available. And I've given it the option minus N5 in front of the, uh, the name of the file, which says, get me five lines out of the file. And it, it just picks out five random lines. I pipe that into said, and I do this because a lot of the words in this dictionary are possessive. They have a apostrophe S on the end of them. And um, I don't really know, understand the logic of that, but anyway, the what I do is to strip out the apostrophe and anything that follows it in each word, just so it keeps the words simple. I won't explain what I did because I've done this in other other bits of uh, said stuff that I've talked about, and then I pipe the result of that into NL, which simply generates a line number. So. There are two processes doing this. So the two processes will generate different random selections from the uh, the words file, and it will apply the same sort of pro- said processing, and then it will number them. But it will number each list as 1 to 5. So what join sees is two data streams with words in it, and each word is preceded by 
a line number. So then it will merge the two of them together and output the result. So the result that I got when I ran this, you'll get if you ever want, if you want to try doing this yourself, then you would um, you get different results. But I got lines that look like one space brine b r i n e space rationed and and so on and so forth. And there's five of these. So it's again fairly useless <laughs> type of you're trying to make strange passwords or something yeah like um that xkcd example i have seen people do that actually i'm not sure how strong the passwords are mind you but uh it's it's uh it's, it's a good demonstration of what can be done so i've got a final example which is also quite convoluted but again shows gives gives you some sort of idea of the sort of thing that can be done with this process substitution i have a, a database it's a SQLite database, and in it I keep information about talks that I'm planning to do or have done for HPR. I know it's it's sad, but there you go. Um, just it's a better way of organising and keeping it on bits of paper or whatever. Um, and I quite like playing with databases. So in this database, I grabbed a copy of all of the series names from. HPR. So what I'm doing here is I am fishing out names of series and I'm processing them in a bash loop. So if I read to you the, the bit of code that I've put together, this would be something which you would you would put into a script in a, in a file ideally, but I haven't written it out as if it is a, a full-blown script. I'm just giving you a, a sort of sub set of the commands. So the first line is count equals zero. So I'm setting up a variable called count, which is being initialized to zero. Then I've got a while loop, and we haven't talked about these in this series. I do intend to, to do this. I'm coming at all of these subjects sort of backwards, um, unfortunately. But um, just sort of picking off things that I think might you might not know might be interested in. So the while, the while loop in Bash is simply a thing that consists of the word while followed by some expression which returns a value true or false. And the while loop will continue looping until the result of this expression is false. So what I'm using as the expression in this case is a read command. And the read command is a way of putting values into variables and the two variables that I'm reading into are called ID and name. Where am I getting the data from? Well we'll get to that in a minute. The next line is the continuation of the while which is do. So it's while expression do. You can actually put the do on the same line but you have to put a semicolon after the expression before the do. So in the, the body of the loop I have a printf command and um, I have mentioned these before in other, other shows. Printf is a way of printing variables, and you get a bit more control of the, the way they're represented than you would do if you used echo. In particular, you can lay them out in particular formats. So printf consists of a format string followed by a list of variable names. So in this case, I've got as my format string a percent zero two d. What that means is there will be a decimal number as an argument to the printf command, and I want you to print it in a two. I want to print it as two digits. 
with leading zero if that's appropriate. So next in the format statement is a space. Then I want to put an actual quote, double quote in the in there as well. And because I'm using double quotes as the delimiter of the format, I have to put a backslash in front of it. Then after the backslash double quote, I've got percent %s. Percent %s is simply a way of saying write the, the argument out as a string of arbitrary length. Then I've got another backslash double quote, then a backslash n, which means print out a new line, because printf does not generate new lines automatically like echo does. Then the closing double quotes. And the arguments to printf are $id, that variable we read into, and $name, except that I, I've put $name in double quotes because it's going to be a variable containing spaces. There is something to be said for always including closing all the arguments in double quotes when you do this. I just I was lazy here and didn't do it for both because I knew that ID is always going to be numeric. But um, really it is good practice to uh, to quote them every time. And the next line is an arithmetic substitution which is an arithmetic expression actually to be more accurate which is open parenthesis open parenthesis count plus plus close parenthesis close parenthesis now we've seen that sort of expression in this particular series where we've been fiddling around with variables and, and um, incrementing and decrementing this is an example of post decrement not that it really matters but basically it, it just says add one to count there are other ways of expressing this, but I've chosen this one. The next line is the done, D-O-N-E, line, which closes the while loop. Now, one of the conventions for driving a while loop is that you follow done with a bit of redirection where you, you nominate a file or something of that sort, or, or indeed a, a pipeline if you want to. So I am using process substitution here. So it's one of these process substitution expressions that generates data. So it's a less than open parenthesis. Then I've got an echo with a string, and the string contains a piece of uh, SQL, structured query language, which is the way you talk to databases. And um, I won't read it out because you might not be that au fait with uh, SQL, but the essence of it is that I'm asking the database to return me the identity number and the name. Each of the series in the HPR database has got an ID number and uh, it has a name. And I want it to be returned from the series table in my copy of the, the database. And I want it to be, to, to be returned to me in alphabetical order using the lowercase version of the, the name as the sort criterion. So that echo is sent to a pipe. So there's a pipe symbol after the closing quote, and it goes to the command sqlite3, which is the uh, command that invokes the, the database. So that receives on its standard in that SQL command. And the name of the database follows, which in this particular case is hbr underscore talks dot db close parenthesis so that's an example of me feeding data feeding a command to the sqlite 3 command to make it query the database and return stuff so it will then come back with a whole stream of lines which contain what i've asked for which will then be fed to the while loop the 
two values will be dropped into variables, bash variables called ID and name, and they'll be printed out. And the last line of this, this group of um, commands, this example, is an echo where I simply use the, the value of count to report how many series were found. So it's open double quotes found space dollar count space series close quote. I say open and close, but there's no difference. But you, you think you know what I mean. So the the thing I get back, and I've only shown a, um, a few lines of what, what actually comes back, is 51 space quotes, 10 buck review quotes, 80, 51, 50 shades of beer quote, 38 quote, a little bit of Python quote, and so on. And at the end of that, I get back found 82 series. So at the time of of writing this there were 82 series in the list probably still is the case but uh, we're working on adding more in fact so the whole point of this was to demonstrate that there is a process substitution which is being used to feed um, data to a while loop for whatever purpose in this case just to print out print the stuff out and to count it and it's coming from a process substitution expression where the process is something that you might just have typed on the on the command line yourself and uh, you, you'd then get back the format that the SQLite tool decides is best. Again, this is a slightly empty sort of example, but it, it, it demonstrates the, the sort of thing that you can do. I digressed in my notes here to say that there are other ways in which you could do this you can actually make a pipeline a simple simpler sort of pipeline without any process substitution where you echo that SQL command into SQLite 3 and the output of that is piped into the while and you get you get uh, the, the while loop looping around to doing stuff but there's a problem with this and um, I won't read this example out in detail, but it's essentially the same as the one we had before, except that the the data is not coming by redirection after the done part of the loop. It's being fed to the while loop through a pipeline. Now, when you run this, the answer you get back is found zero series. And here my neighbour's dog has just been let out. <laughs> it's either dogs or cats, like a blooming menagerie around here. Anyway, um... Getting back to the point. You get the answer of zero coming back. And this is puzzling. I'm digressing here into an area that we, we really need to look at in a bit more detail. And I've said in the notes here, these are the sort of things that can catch you out in Bash. And you, you can puzzle and, and scratch your head over them for ages. And I'm just mentioning this one uh, here. But I do intend to do some sort of list of Bash gotchas in the future. But the reason you get back the answer of zero is because the while loop runs in its own process in this particular example. So count is set to zero outside the while. The while merrily adds one to something called count internally. And then after the loop is done, we, we look at the count we originally set to zero, and it's still zero. That's because the count which is being incremented in the while loop is a different variable because it's in a separate process. And Bash doesn't share these things between between processes, unlike if you're used to other languages, then uh, doing something akin to this would be perfectly valid, because it would be the same scope. But a Bash is not a programming language, even though it looks quite like it 
it's a scripting language and it has its own foibles. Okay, so that's a lot of waffle about a subject you may not be all that interested in. hope it wasn't too boring. So I'm going to go on to another bit of waffle, probably, about the final subject here in this episode, which is word splitting. So I've said in the notes it's important to understand this because it's, um, it's a quite important component of how bash works and uh, if you don't fully get this or at least you don't know that there are pitfalls potential pitfalls here then you can um, can sometimes trip over yourself when you're writing things in bash so i thought i'd start off with looking at how word splitting actually affects what you do in bash and in a very simplistic way bash looks at what's being presented to it and will split words using spaces. So as a demonstration of this I've suggested that we use a a little function. Again we haven't talked about functions in bash. I I will do this at some point but uh, it's a a fairly simple uh, capability of bash where you can define a command or series of commands as a group which you can invoke with a name. And the way you do this is you you normally you would do this in a script rather than typing it on the command line. You can put it in on the command line if you want to. Function space count args is a thing to count the number of arguments. It needs to be followed by an open and a close parenthesis, then a curly open curly bracket, and then its body consists of echo dollar hash close curly bracket. The hash variable is one of Bash's special variables that contains the argument count. That's either to a script or to a function. So in this case, it's, uh, we're using it in a function, obviously. So once you've declared one of these things, and by the way, you don't actually have to put the word function on the front of it in, in Bash, but I've been using function here because it's just generally more, more readable and more obvious. It's optional, though. So you, you call it just by typing count args. One word, of course. If you call it with no arguments, then the answer you get back is simply zero, because there are no arguments to it. However, if you give it a string, so I've put an example here of count args followed by open double quote, Mary had a little lamb, close double quote, and the answer comes back one. If you call count args with Mary had a little lamb enclosed in single quotes, you get back the answer one. So, okay, that's fine. So a string, a thing enclosed in quotes is of either sort, you can use single quotes or double quote, then it's regarded as a single word in the in the sense of Bash's sense. It's a single entity. You also get the same count of one if you simply type count args space open double quote, close double quote. There's an argument there, but it's got nothing in it. However, if you do it, do stuff without quotes, then things get a little more complex. And one of the the cases that you can trip over, and I've sort of alluded to this already, is when you're using variable substitution. So the next example is setting a variable called str, short for string, in my mind anyway, equals, open, double quotes, fish fingers and custard, close, double quotes. Yeah, I know, Doctor Who. Count args space dollar str. The answer comes back, not one, but four. And that's because the variable str string has been expanded and count args has been presented with the words fish, fingers and custard on its 
as its as its argument. So there are four words there. The reason this happened and it wasn't treated as one entity is because word splitting has been applied to it. Word splitting does not apply when it's quoted, but it does on variables when they're not quoted. So if you wanted to pass a string like this to a function, then you would type count args space double quote dollar str double quote and you get back the answer one. Why double quotes? Well, I have mentioned this before, but not in any formal way. Double quotes are sometimes referred to as weak quotes. That is, if you put a variable, a variable substitution within double quotes, the substitution takes effect. If you put $str in single quotes, then bash ignores the fact that there's $str. It just treats it as the character's $str. It doesn't apply any substitution to it. So I thought it might be useful if I wrote another function to, to mess around with in this context. And I've called this one print args. And what this one does, it prints the arguments that you've given to it, like the other one, count args, did. Except that it puts a, it prints out each argument one at a time, and it puts the, the count on the front of each argument. So I've written it out in the notes here. Function space print args, open parenthesis, close parenthesis, open curly brace oh, bracket and then the first line of the function is i equals one i'm setting a variable i to one then i've got a for loop that uses for arg semicolon space do and this is a a special version of a bash for loop normally a, a bash for loop just to digress is written as for for space variable name in the word in space and then a list semicolon do and then there's the body of the loop which I've written this out for you to look at hash do things I've put in there so there would be other stuff in the loop and the loop ends with with the word done normally that what that does is it sets the variable which I've shown here as var to each element in the list and the list can be a list of words, it can be the result of some command, or it can be some sort of uh, per expansion type of thing. However, going back to the function, if you simply have four variable names, semicolon do, what that means is set this variable to each of the arguments to this function in turn. You can use the same in a script where it sets it to the to the arguments of the, the script so it's a, it's a nice neat shorthand way of processing the arguments of a function in this case so within the for loop i've got an echo echo dollar i remember we set a variable i to one so echo in double quotes dollar i space dollar arg arg close double quotes so that will print out the number i that is in variable i and followed by the the contents of arg. Then the next line in the for loop is two open parentheses i plus plus two close parentheses. So that's one of these um, arithmetic expressions which is incrementing the value of i. And then we have done, which is the end of the loop. And that's followed by a line with the close curly bracket in it. So when you run print args and give it arguments, it will print them out one per line, each with the argument number on the front. If you know a, a bit, bit about bash, you will know that there is a zeroth argument in some contexts, but not in the context of a function. I do plan to look at for loops and while loops and so on 
as I've mentioned already, in a later version of this uh, series. So, going back to our dollar $STR, our variable STR, if you type print args space dollar STR, then you will get back one space fish, two space fingers, and so on and so forth. So there are four four words, as we already discovered, using count args, but it's printed them out with a number on the front of each one. If you, on the other hand, you type print arg space double quotes dollar str double quote, then we just get one argument back, which is numbered one, and it contains fish fingers and custard. Okay, so that was really just me making it very plain or giving you a way of examining how arguments work and so on and so forth. I haven't put copies of these functions in as uh, downloadable stuff within the notes because it's pretty easy just to cut and paste them out of the the notes I think. So that's how word splitting works but there's a bit more to it than that. Normally the words are split on spaces so spaces is the word delimiter is the way of putting it but there's a thing called the internal field separator which is a special bash variable called IFS which stands for that thing, internal field separator. Normally, when you create a bash shell, you you get an ifs ifs variable which contains three characters. It contains a space, a tab, and a new line. And as an aside, if you ever mangle your ifs variable, then I've just put some information about uh, how to, to regenerate it and so forth. If it's unset... It's treated as if it holds these three characters. But if it's null, then you switch off splitting totally. It's important to understand the difference between a variable being unset and a variable being null, and uh, particularly in the context of this variable. If a bash variable is unset, it's not defined at all. So a good chance you won't have a variable called xyz, so it's regarded as being unset. You can actually force a variable to be unset. In other words, you delete it with the command unset. So unset space capital IFS. I forgot to say it was capital IFS, by the way, in case you're not reading these notes along with me. It's capital IFS. Anyway, if you you do unset space capital IFS, then it deletes it. But your splitting still works as if it was there and containing a space, a tab, and a new line. To make a variable null, then it is defined but with no value. So you would you would achieve that if you wanted to it, by typing capital I, capital F, capital S equals, and then nothing else on that line. So it's being set to a null value. You could also put open quote, close quote, I think, and it it's, uh, achieves the same thing. Now, here's the thing. If you are fiddling around with this sort of stuff and you have changed the the IFS variable and the effects of doing so start to, to be annoying and you want to set it back again, how do you do it? Well, you can simply type capital I, capital F, capital S equals and then in quotes a space, a tab and a new line. But typing a space is no problem. How do you type a tab? If you hit the tab character, it doesn't save a tab character in the in the the string. It is intercepted by bash and uh, doesn't have the effect of saving that value in the string. So I can give you the answer to how you do that. You actually type Control V and then you do Control I. But I, I I tend not to want to do that. 
there's a better way, or I think it's a better way of doing it. So one way, anyway, of doing it is to use the printf command. The printf command has got a feature we haven't mentioned when talking about it before, I think. It has a minus v option, and minus v is followed by the name of a variable, and then that is followed by a format string, as we discussed earlier in this, this episode, and arguments or whatever is appropriate. So if you do printf space minus v space capital I capital F capital S space open double quote space backslash t backslash n close double quotes then printf will generate the sequence space tab new line and will store it into the variable ifs. So that's quite an an easy way to generate that string without having to remember control V's and other strange things. Now if you're writing scripts where you're manipulating the IFS variable then the simple thing to do is to save its current value somewhere else. So I've demonstrated this with a, with a couple of lines old IFS equals open double quotes dollar capital IFS close quotes so you've saved the value of IFS into old IFS and do it in quotes because otherwise it will get split on that space. Well, they're all they're all delimiters, so all of the delimiters will be used for splitting. So um, you won't get what you expect. Then you would set to IFS to whatever else you want to set it to. We'll come on to that in a minute. When you finish doing the things you want to do with the different value of IFS, then you simply set it back to the saved version of it. So how do you know what's in the IFS variable? If you simply echo it, then the, the default characters are, um, are invisible. You don't, you don't see them. So one way of doing it is using the cat command. The cat command has got an option minus capital A, which is a shorthand for a lot of these command, a lot of GNU commands. Do this. One option which has is a shorthand version of other options, and it's the shorthand version of minus V, lowercase V, minus capital T, and minus capital E. So I've listed out their effects. Option minus capital lowercase V displays non-printing characters except for tab. Don't know why. There you go. Option minus capital T displays char- tab characters as up arrow or circumflex capital I because a tab character is a control I character. Option minus capital E displays a dollar character at the end of each line. So echoing dollar IFS into cat minus capital A. I've demonstrated it in the next section. You get back a space, a circumflex I, a dollar, then on the next line another dollar. So the space is obviously there. The circumflex I is the tab. That's followed by a dollar sign because there's a new line in there. So that's the end of the the first line because a a new line is a line delimiter. And when you print it out, and then the next line contains a dollar, so that's the, the end of the whole, the whole thing. Another digression here, really, but just in case you, you find that cat thing confusing, I've given an alternative. There's a command called OD, which stands for octal dump. It goes way back to the early days of, of uh, Unix, where everything was octal. And it's meant for dumping files in binary formats, but it's been enhanced a fair bit since the early days. And I've chosen to use the minus 
A option, lowercase a, which generates character names or mnemonics, and minus lowercase c, which shows the characters as backslash escape where appropriate. So if you echoed dollar ifs into od i'll read out the whole command echo space minus n this causes echo not to print a new line at the end of its uh, output which is useful in this context double quote dollar capital i capital f capital s double quote space pipe symbol space od space minus lowercase a lowercase c and the thing you get back is a seven digit number zero 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 etc <laughs> i lost count followed by some spaces sp spaces ht spaces nl sp is the mnemonic for space ht is horizontal tab which is another way of expressing a tab nl is a mnemonic for new line on the next line you've got simply some spaces under the sp because that's where a space is uh, and then under the HT, you've got backslash T, which is the representation of a tab. And under NL, you've got backslash N, which is a way of representing a new line. And then you've got another line beginning, which begins with lots of zeros, three. And that's because it's really a sort of dumping tool. So you're seeing that uh, you've got three characters in the dump. I just find this a more appealing way of doing it, but that's largely because I was originally taught to be a assembly language programmer. Not a very good one, but but it's just, if you're thinking in terms of bytes and characters as bytes and strings of invisible stuff or binary stuff, then dumping tools are quite a useful way of doing it. So those numbers are offsets in the, the file or the string that's being fed to OD. Anyway, that was a lot of preamble just to talk about the default state of the IFS variable. So why has it got three characters in it? Well, because they're all potential delimiters. And I've prepared a string as an example, which is the um, it's the two lines from a poem, children's poem, Wink and Blinken and Nod one night sailed off in a wooden shoe. And it's got a new line in it. And I've also added some leading and trailing spaces when you type this sort of thing out, you, you open double quotes that I've done here and you type some stuff and then you press new line. Bash will come back with a prompt, which you can actually control, but uh, we'll leave that. The default is a greater than character. So the second line contains that character, which means I'm expecting you to type some more stuff and you haven't closed your quotes yet. So that's where you type the rest of it and then you close the quotes. So if we use print args on that, do print args space dollar str, we're using str again just because it's a convenient way of doing it, then we get back each word on a separate line and there are 12 words. We don't see any of the leading spaces, we don't see any of the trailing spaces, and the new line has vanished as well. And that's because the spaces, consecutive spaces, don't make a... Um, don't make separate arguments they're just all removed leading and trailing spaces are removed and the new line is one of the the accepted delimiters if we put a tab in there as well we'd have got the same effect 
So I thought it would be useful if I demonstrated what happens if you quote the variable str. But because you've got leading and trailing spaces on it, I put square brackets around it in the in the string. And you see that there's one argument passed to print args, and it consists of a open square bracket, some spaces, the first half of the string, a new line, the second half of the string, some trailing spaces, and a closed square bracket. So it's all there in the in the string. But it was stripped off as part of the word splitting process. So why am I talking about this um, variable at all? Well, hopefully you've guessed that you can change the word delimiter. So I've got some commands here where I create a new version of this str variable where I'm using the string all dressed up hyphen and nowhere to go and I then save the ifs variable and then I set the ifs variable to an underscore so the string delimiter is now an underscore the word delimiter I should say is now an underscore so if I then type print arg space dollar str then I get back all dressed up and nowhere to go as one argument there are no splittable delimiters in that string anymore because we've changed it from its default which included spaces to underscore and there are no underscores in there however and i thought i would use this technique to refer back to show number 1648 bash parameter manipulation where i discussed pattern substitution where you can take a variable and you can change bits of it in an expression in bash. So I've got print args space dollar open curly bracket str slash slash space slash underscore close curly bracket. And hopefully you remember that that is a way in which you, you can say in this variable called str find every space the, the, the double slash means do it, do it repeatedly and replace that space with an underscore. If we feed that expression to print args Printargs then gets a whole list of separate words because the word splitting has happened on the result using the underscore as the separator, the delimiter. And we get back eight words, including the hyphen, because the hyphen's a delimited, is a word in this context. It's got delimiters either side of it. We get eight fields, eight elements come back. Eight arguments, I guess you'd say. However, if we change the IFS variable again and we add, we make it contain underscore and hyphen, we get a different result. So it's exactly the same command with the print args and the parameters substitution thing. This time we get nine arguments. Arguments four and five are empty and null. And that's because the hyphen is now a delimiter. So I thought, oh, that's hard to visualize. So I included a demonstration using echo to um, to show what is produced when you use this parameter substitution. I enclosed it in double quotes because otherwise, since the string would contain the the field separator, this delimiter character, it would just get split up and you wouldn't see what had happened to it. So what you see is all underscore dressed underscore up and then you get underscore hyphen underscore and so on and so forth. So there are three delimiters in sequence there, which are interpreted as two null words. So words four and five are the, the two null words, and that's because when you have a sequence of delimiters, 
then the gaps between, or then the, the um, how would you say this? There aren't gaps between them at all, but because you've got three delimiters, the, 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 the bits between the delimiters are regarded as null, null words. So it's odd because I, the reason I'm making making a meal of this is because if you have multiple spaces in a string, it's treated differently. So when you, if you look at the man page, which I've included in the notes, talking about this uh, this um, space word splitting business, it makes a point of using the term white space. So the way it treats spacey things like space and tab and newline is different from the way it treats other delimiters. I think that's what what the point of that is. So it's um it's it's a convoluted business. In the vast majority of cases you don't want to do this. It's rare that you would want to do this. There are sometimes when you have a piece of a string or, or a piece of text or something which you want to split up and you could feed it through sed and split it up that way. But sometimes switching the IFS variable in to, to, to contain a different delimiter, um, like a colon or something, is a useful way of getting all the bits to be uh, split out for you. So the final thing I've said in the notes here is don't forget to put your IFS variable back the way it was, otherwise you'll find that things don't behave in the way you expect because your word splitting's all broken or at least it's not behaving the way you normally expect it to behave. Okay, that's it then for this one. I hope it uh, we are in the out in the weeds a little bit here, I know, but I hope it, there are some useful pointers there for you. Next episode, I'm going to cover the last part of all of this. And the last part of expansion is path name expansion. And that definitely does impinge on everybody because it's all about... Uh, referring to files and uh, using star asterisk and uh, question marks and stuff in um, in file names and all of that good stuff so uh, we do need a whole episode to, to cover that one i think okay that's it then bye you've been listening to hacker public radio at hackerpublicradio.org we are a community podcast network that releases shows every weekday, Monday through Friday. Today's show, like all our shows, was contributed by an HBR listener like yourself. If you ever thought of recording a podcast, then click on our contribute link to find out how easy it really is. Hacker Public Radio was founded by the Digital Dog Pound and the Infonomicon Computer Club and is part of the binary revolution at binrev.com. If you have comments on today's show, please email the host directly, leave a comment on the website, or record a follow-up episode yourself. Unless otherwise stated, today's show is released under a Creative Commons Attribution Sharealike 3.0 license.